Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is June the 2nd. And our scripture for today is Psalm 90, the great prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. The eternality of God before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world. Before the cosmos, before the created order ever came into being, before the universe, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. In other words, you bring people to the point of wanting to come to you for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past and like a watch in the night. Now, many times people grab hold of verses like this and almost make it seem as though time doesn't matter. Time does matter. And how we respond to God in time matters. Because how we respond to God in time will dictate where we are in eternity. A thousand years is like yesterday. It's like a drop in the ocean to the life that we will have with God in eternity. And it is like yesterday when it's past. In other words, it's gone. We cannot bring back yesterday. It's like a watch in the night. It's so brief, and then it's over, and then you have to carry on. You carry them away like a flood, like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening, it is cut down and withers. This is a reminder of what God said to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40. The grass is tender, and then the sun comes, and it withers. The flowers are so beautiful, but then under the scrutiny of the sun and its heat, they wither. The grass will wither. The flower will fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. That which God establishes will last forever. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. This is the way of life, not only plant life and animal life, but it is of human life. Our time span here is brief. Brief if we live to be a thousand, if we live to be a hundred, if we live to be any time, it is so brief. And it says, we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we were terrified. In other words, God is the one we will ultimately stand before. You have set our iniquities before you, and nothing is hid. Our secret sins in the light of your, it's like light in the light of your countenance. God sees everything. You see, these are the great attributes of God. His eternality, that is that he is forever forever. 
He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the one who creates everything. He himself is not created. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. He is the only one that really does. The Spirit of God searches and finds those things in our lives that we think we do in darkness. It's in open light. God sees it all. We think we're in the cloistered closet and no one sees. God sees it all. And he says, for all of our days are passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a tale that has been told, like a sigh. When we read that we live our lives as a tale that is told that the Elizabethan English translation brings out in the King James, we live our life as a tale that's been told. What does that mean? It means when it's over, it's done. Yes, some will remember it. Most will not. The scripture says that it's like a sigh. (sighs) And then that's it. How many dying beds I have stood beside in 48 years of ministry. And as I have stood beside those beds and held the hands of moms and dads and children, brothers and sisters, I have heard last sighs. (sighs) Or just quietly, the breath is given and it's gone. It does not inhale again. It is over for this life. And it seems so final, but death is not the end for the child of God. And for those who reject God, that's not the end either. It's eternal death after that, eternal separation after that. If we tell the good side, we have to tell the bad side. And the good side is when we close our eyes in death and take our last breath and that brain wave ceases to be, we are in the presence of Jesus as children of God in a beautiful garden called Paradiso, paradise. But the Bible says... We live our lives like a tale that is told. We sigh and it is over. It's so brief. For the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, that doesn't set a limit on how long man's going to live or that this is the measure. That's not it at all. All that is being said here is if a man lives to this, if a man lives to that, all of it is filled with sorrow. Yes, you have a good life, but if you live long enough, you're going to see those that you love. If you love anyone, die around you. You're going to see brokenness. You're going to see heartache. This is why Paul said, Paul, the apostle, if in this life only we have hope in Jesus, we are of all men most miserable. Some people may live a wonderful, sumptuous life here on this earth, But even that, there is heartache with it. There's sorrow with it. If you have feelings at all, if you have a soul, if you have a mind, a heart, your heart's going to be broken. It is inevitable. It is in the 70 to 80 years that the psalmist lays out here in the prayer of Moses, it is going to be difficult at times. It's filled with sorrow. And then it's cut off, soon cut off, and we fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. Where's that term come from right here? I'll fly away. We fly away to our heavenly home. And this is so poetic. This is a poetic language. Who knows the power of your anger, God? 
for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So here is a conclusion. Here it is. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh, God, let us see that we're not going to live forever. Let us see that our lives are short if we live to be a 100 or more. Our lives are but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone. And no one knows when that is. And our walk with God is so critical. And so he says, teach us to number our days. Our days are limited. Our days are numbered on this earth. And this calls us to godly living. It calls us. It's an exhortation that whatever you're doing, make it count. I want to ask you a question. Is your life counting for Jesus? We only have one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. In effect, that old poetic saying is indeed true. The only things that matter when we stand before the Lord is Lord, did we love you? Did we follow you? Did we do what you assigned us on earth to do? You see, God made you on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And we can live our whole life and do patriotic things, philanthropic things. We can do all kinds of good things to make our community a better place for people to live. But we're not going to live here forever. We're going to live here only a brief time, and then we're gone. We're going to live our life as a sigh, as a tale that's been told. What kind of life are we living? What kind of story are we writing? Then he says, return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your service. Oh, God, this is Moses' prayer. Satisfy us early with your mercy. God, please don't make me have to wait till I'm old to know you and to know the satisfaction of knowing you, the peace of knowing you, so that I may rejoice and be glad all my days, not just in the end when I look back, because Already at at my age today in my upper 60s, I can tell you that life is filled with regrets. When someone says I have no regrets and they're 70, 80 years old, I just don't think they are being honest with themselves. I don't think any man does all that God wants him to do. There's no record of that in the Word of God except for the Lord Jesus himself. All of us sin, and we do things that we regret, and we want to go back, but we need to live our lives as men and women that have no regrets. We need to look at our situations and how we face life, how we deal with people, how we deal with our family, how we deal with our children, how we talk to people, how we react and act with people, how we do things. Why? Because this life is going to be over one day, And the only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with the Lord Jesus, our fellowship with God, our walk with God. And this is what Moses is coming to grips with. God, help me to know you early so that all of my days will be glad. Make us glad according to the days in which you've afflicted us. This harkens back to the prophet Joel. Just think about this. The locust and the canker worm and all of the things that Job talked about, the destructive nature of these things that enter into our lives. And God has made a promise that if we will turn to him, 
that he will restore what the locust has eaten. That doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the consequences of our sin, but the sorrow that we had away from him will be surpassed by the joy of knowing him. Make us to be glad according to the days in which you've afflicted us and the years in which we've seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. These are prayers. This is what we need to pray. This is how we learn to pray. We pray, God, make us glad according to the days in which you've afflicted us. That's a prayer that God will hear. Verse 16, let your work appear to your servant and your glory to my children. You see, it says their children, but we need to pray that personally. This is how we pray. This is how I pray. I pray with an open Bible, reading the Word of God. And when God pricks my heart with verses like this, I pray that back to God. Verse 17, I've prayed, I can't even tell you how many times before God. God only knows how many times I have prayed, Psalm 90, 17. And let the beauty of you, O God, the personal covenant name of God, let you, Lord Jesus, our God, be upon me. Let your beauty be upon me and on my wife and my children and my grandchildren. Please, O God, establish the work of my hands. The work you've given me establishes so it will not go away when I go away, but that it will continue. This is why the Bible says, blessed are they who die in the Lord. Blessed are they, and their works do follow them. I've said it many times. My grandmother, who suffered, crippled, raised us like she did My mother in the 30s and 40s, she raised us in the 60s and 70s. My two brothers and I were raised by a godly grandmother who prayed for us. And her prayers are what brought me to Jesus. And I think how many times my grandmother has had rewards building down through the decades as my brothers have walked with God and I've walked with God. She's gone. But her works are following in her grandsons that she invested her life in. Rarely got out of the county that we lived in. Never drove a car, never had a license. But her works go on in her grandchildren. May God be praised. Lord, let your beauty rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. For on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.